It's Monday. It's June 22nd. And the word of the day is chiaroscuro, which means the interplay of light and shadow, often as it applies to a work of art. Used in a sentence, when discussing the importance of shadowing in a painting that emphasizes chiaroscuro, it would be insane for someone to yell, all shades matter, and insist on moving the conversation to a white part of the painting. Yeah, I, I also have, I have no idea what blue lives matter would be in this analogy, but that would also be stupid. Now, I'm no illusions. I'm Heath Enright, and broadcasting delayed from America's Far Center, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, Brad Parscale insists he was dropping pins all through that rally and nobody heard him. <laughs> The Trump administration tries to sue John Bolton into herding cats back into a bag. <laughs> and someone in the federal government will finally stand up. Oh, no, never mind. Sorry. No. no. <laughs> but first, the rest of the intro music. Joining me for headlines tonight is my fellow skeptic rat, No Illusions, Noah. I'm assuming you already got your termination letter from William Barr that says you're fired from... The internet. Are, are you going to comply? Uh, you know what? I am going to stand on my principles, Heath. I mean, okay. I'm not going to. I'm not going to stand there all fucking day, but you know, <laughs> stand there for a minute anyway. All right. In our lead story tonight, the Justice Department is embroiled in a fierce court battle with lawyers for Donald Trump's former National Security Advisor John Bolton, hoping they can prevent Bolton from publishing his memoirs that he. Uh, he basically already published. Yeah, he's done if that. No. The official release is tomorrow, <laughs> June 23rd, but hundreds of thousands of copies of the book have already been printed and distributed, and a whole bunch of people already got to read about a giant list of crimes that Trump committed during Bolton's tenure. So now we have a federal judge. It's this guy's job right now to decide if you can, like, Order urine to be removed from a pool (laughs) as that applies to a book in the world and what the fuck that would even mean. Well, so I think you have to get everybody who's already read it to read it backwards now, or at least the parts (laughs) that they've read. It's like Mr. Mixy Spitlick. Yeah. Yeah. So the book is called The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir, and the administration is claiming they didn't get enough time to check the manuscript for classified information. So now they want a judge to force Bolton to physically remove the book from circulation and, I guess, use the flashy thing from Men in Black on everyone who bought the book or (laughs) borrowed the book or read one of the hundreds of national news articles about the contents of the book. Also remove the information from people's brains. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, speaking of information in people's brains... I guess they got also um, flashy thing, all the foreign spies who just recently learned from a book that Donald Trump was colluding with them. (laughs) And at the latest hearing last week, Bolton's lawyer, Charles Cooper, basically said to the judge, hey, man, what the fuck are we doing here? Trump's lawyers are trying to convince you to order John Bolton to do something physically impossible. Yeah. So, Like, however close a lawyer in federal court can get to saying that. Is what we got from Cooper. It's really close to that. Yeah, no, he moved for a dismissal based on the direction of the arrow of causality. Yeah, <laughs> he did. <laughs> and here's a few of the biggest allegations made by Bolton that, well, that we already knew about. But quick disclaimer, if you're listening to this after a court ruling that says the book has to get recalled, just 
you know, promise you won't listen to the next couple of minutes. Get that <laughs> honor system. Or, or at least promise you'll listen to them backwards after, after the ruling comes back. <laughs> right. So we'll start with Bolton's report that Trump asked President Xi of China to help him win re-election by having China buy a whole bunch of wheat and soybeans from the U.S. Yeah. To make what? the economy better and so it looks right. better for Trump. That apparently happened in June of 2019. And I'm assuming President Xi just laughed in Trump's face at that point, And then Trump made a perfect phone call to President Zelensky in Ukraine. Yeah, right, right. Who knew that that was his second choice? Yeah, but I mean, I'd say that means that the tough on China thing was just an act. If he even did the act, right? Like, I mean, he sucks. <laughs> right. She's fucking dick in public every chance he gets. It's just a slogan. <laughs> yeah. And believe it or not. The attempt to influence an election with secret trade deals wasn't even close to the scariest thing that happened while Trump was talking with President Xi. At one point, she was like, hey, you're going to love this, Donald. I'm building concentration camps, like a bunch of them. And Trump was like, sweet, that's exactly what you should do. Picks or get the fuck out. <laughs> and Trump added at that point, exact quote, according to Bolton, you're the greatest Chinese leader in 300 years. What? <laughs> At which point President Xi was like, oh, I guess uh, I guess you're a big fan of Emperor Kangxi of the King Dynasty. <laughs> yes, what? And Trump was like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm sure that the only reason he didn't try to pitch this motherfucker on building his concentration camps with American steel is that he didn't think of it at the time. <laughs> And here's one that's super relevant to some other news from this week. The Justice Department just tried to fire Jeffrey Berman, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, who's currently investigating several Trump associates, including Rudy Giuliani. And Berman just said no, which which is amazing. We'll have more on that coming right up. There's mm. been some follow-ups to that. Anyway, point being, Trump's been planning this kind of wildly illegal corruption for a while. According to Bolton, President Erdogan of Turkey, a literal war criminal, just to be clear. Yeah, like Trump. He sent Trump a memo in 2019 explaining that Trump needed to squash the investigation of a Turkish firm by the Southern District of New York, to which Trump responded, those judges and lawyers are Obama people, but don't worry, I'm going to fire him, replace yeah. him with my people. Right. No, and, and keep in mind that this was two years after he fired Preet Bharara. Yeah, already did this, too. Yeah, he can't even fucking keep track of his own corruption. Yeah. And uh, one last detail. According to Bolton, Trump very literally did the exact thing that he got impeached for. Yeah. We already knew this, but just it's official, official, official. The book describes the moment when Trump said to Bolton... The military assistance to Ukraine stays on hold until they agree to investigate Hunter Biden. Like, exact words. Man, I'll tell you, a book published four and a half months after his acquittal sure is the perfect place for that information to come out, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck is happening, yeah. So, getting back to the court battle about Bolton's book, despite the physical impossibility of the remedy being sought, the judge has not made a ruling yet. He started the hearing by basically laughing at Trump's legal team and literally explaining about horses and barns. He said that. He's, he said that phrase. 
But then he asked for a closed door meeting with only the government to talk about what parts of the book are supposed to be classified, which, you know, might make sense if the National Security Council's senior director for pre-publication review hadn't already signed off on the final draft of this book in April. And more importantly, just to reiterate, you can't undeclassify stuff from the world of knowledge. Right. That's not a thing. (laughs) And on that note, we'll take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, The Great Courses Plus. Hi, I'm No Illusions, and I absolutely love The Great Courses Plus. I've been using their service for years, and I recommend it to everybody I know, but apparently some of you still haven't tried it out, even though you can get a trial month for free at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. That's right, Noah. The Great Courses Plus allows you to watch lectures on any subject, anytime, from any device. And to demonstrate how easy it is to use, I will be watching a lecture through this entire ad. All right, but with your headphones in, how will you know when it's your cue? That's right, Noah. There's so much to discover, from the classics like history, literature, and science, to hobbies like gardening, mechanics, or even playing the guitar. Yeah, actually, I just finished an awesome series called The Philosophy of Humor that looks into all of those questions that people who hide bad ideas behind comedy pretend are rhetorical, like what does it mean for a joke to go too far and who decides when something's funny? It's been a really interesting... And right now, our listeners can get a trial month for free just by going to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. Yeah, but I was still telling everybody about how good the philosophy of humor course was. I, I hadn't even gotten to how engaging the professor was. There sure are, was. Noah. There sure, sure are. Remember, that's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash skeptocrat. I was supposed to say, we know you're going to love the Great Courses Plus, too, so don't wait any longer. Now is the time to sign up before all that. <laughs> More like water melancholy. What? Pun. Nailed it. <laughs> And now, back to the headlines. Next up, in lowering the bar, but with two R's, so it's clever news. A friend of mine on Facebook put up a post the other day asking who everybody thought was the most corrupt person inside the Trump administration other than Donald Trump. And then Bill Barr treated the next four days as though he was offended that there could still be a debate on that subject anywhere on the goddamn (laughs) internet. Uh, And his play for the undisputed silver began... I mean, who the hell even knows, right? I saw a story the other day about he's been a bully since high school, so, you know, it began way the fuck back there. But this weekend's chunk of it began on Friday evening when he sent out a press release announcing that federal prosecutor Jeffrey Berman would be resigning from his position overseeing a whole shitload of investigations into Trump and his associates, which kicked off a weekend of will-nots and will-twos that ended in yet another person tasked with investigating Trump out of a job. Okay, new rule. If... Basic ethics requires you to recuse yourself from being president of the United States. You don't get to fucking run for president of the United States. What is happening? Yeah. Now, I'm going to go ahead and forgive you if you've forgotten who Jeffrey Berman is on account of that being some 312 scandals ago. So quick refresher. When Trump took office, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York was Preet Bharara. 
Uh, that's the district that covers Manhattan and thus most of the really big financial crimes. And Trump, of course, lives in both Manhattan and most of the really big financial crimes. <laughs> so he took a particular interest in who had this job. Now, at first, he apparently assured Barrara that he wasn't going to be replaced. But then, upon learning that Preet was not acknowledging his wink when he blinked twice, Trump decided to replace him. <laughs> Um, now, Jeffrey Berman. Do you know what a wink is, man? <laughs> was Trump's no. hand-picked replacement for that position. I said I fire the best people. You misheard <laughs> me. I said fire. It means I'm, I had only, to have hired them. Rhymes and everything. Um, it, it's worth adding here, by the way, that this is, generally speaking, a Senate-confirmed position. But because of the scandal surrounding Barrara's ouster and the really shady revelations about Trump personally interviewing people for the job of investigating his and his associates' financial crimes, there was no way in fuck he was going to push his guy through the Senate. So then A.G. Jefferson Beauregard Sessions Leghorn III skirted that check with the now familiar acting role workaround. And in this instance, I guess if you leave that position unconfirmed long enough, the federal court in New York has to appoint somebody. And they chose in this case to appoint the guy already doing the job in the acting role, the aforementioned Jeffrey Berman. Hey, OK, one more new rule. If basic ethics requires you to recuse yourself from being attorney general, you can't be attorney general. How about how do I have to mention these? Jesus. How are these not already rules? Right. Yeah. Now, apparently Trump never forgave Berman for doing his job, despite all the trouble he went through to get the motherfucker appointed, uh, and has been holding a grudge against him since the Michael Cohen prosecution. Uh, on top of that, the dude is currently investigating Rudy Giuliani and quite possibly Trump again for other criminal shit. Probably. Uh, so fast forward to Friday and Barr's surprise announcement that this guy is resigning, surprising to him too, right? And this uh, resignation or or press release anyway includes a bunch of shit about how Trump's going to replace Berman with some lapdog that's never even worked as a prosecutor before. So Berman releases his bull fucking shit I'm resigning statement. Um, and that existed long enough to give those of us wedded to the romantic notion of public sector integrity another brief glimmer of false hope before Berman forgot where he put that spine he had just been using and relented. Yeah. Well, at least in terms of the Giuliani investigation, I don't think this really matters. Like, we don't need a fancy lawyer on our team to just play a tape of Giuliani being like, hello, Russia. <laughs> Remember when we colluded? That was the best. Wait, did you guys change your number to, it says Washington Post? Prank call, prank call. <laughs> Well, okay, so, but to be fair to Berman, I should add that before he agreed to step down, he did win one important concession from Bill Barr. The original plan was to bring in an outside guy to work the job on an interim basis, and that was scrapped for the much more legally defensible choice of replacing this motherfucker with his deputy. And that matters because it's super unlikely the Senate is going to confirm the other jackass that Trump wants. Hell, fucking honorary invertebrate Lindsey Graham came out over the weekend to let people know that even he can't pretend not to see corruption when it's on this scale. So you gotta zoom in onto the scale they're using. It's creepy. <laughs> you really don't, though. Uh, and on that advice, we're gonna toss it over to a quick ad for our other sponsor this week, Policy Genius. Mm. Hey, Noah. Noah, can can you help me with this? I can't quite fit. Is that a a Krang suit? A Krang suit. Yes, it is. You know, you're supposed to just put your brain in the middle part, right? Not your whole body. Yeah, so. well, I was having Eli help me with that. And then 
Andrew made a new rule on the whiteboard about like, blah, 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 no lobotomies, blah, blah, blah. So I, I just need you to fold my leg, if you don't mind. Uh, okay, well, a couple things. Uh, first of all, no folding legs is also on the whiteboard. Uh, ah, but more importantly, it? why are you trying to get into a Krang suit? Well, I don't have life insurance, and I'm pretty sure you can't even buy that now with the pandemic. So this is going to keep me safe. But you don't have any loved ones, depending on your income. I'm going to be the godfather for Eli and Anna's kid. That's official. Are you? Eli said the... The Godfather paperwork is in the mail. Mm. Okay, you know what? I'm going to leave that alone. In terms of life insurance, though, you actually can get it right now. You just check out Policy Genius. What's Policy Genius? Policy Genius compares quotes from the top life insurance companies in one place. It takes just a few minutes to compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. This doesn't just save a lot of legwork. You could save $1,500 or more by using Policy Genius to find life insurance. Okay, well, I already started creasing my leg, but uh, yeah, I guess that sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm definitely one of the many people looking to buy life insurance right now, but I'm not sure where to start. Where should I go? Well, just head to PolicyGenius.com. PolicyGenius will find you the best rate and handle the process completely. They'll get you and your family protected. Uh, sorry, one and one's family protected and hopefully okay. give you one less thing to worry about. All right. Well, just to be clear, I am the Godfather. That is canon now. Uh, rule number 158, no Godfather canons. Really? How did that already come up? I, I It doesn't matter. Okay, but but does the homophone of the... Rule, rule like, number 159, about, no Godfather canons as well with just the one. Also, yeah. both? That's yeah. it's a thorough list we have going. Also, I'm obviously the Godfather. So are, I, it's not... Thing. Are you getting the paperwork? I mean, I have a little card that says it. I'm going to make a phone call. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Next up in headlines. There's been lots of debate recently about the extent to which social media sites are responsible for blocking and removing hate speech. And major platforms have responded with, well, varying degrees of action. Facebook, for example has an official policy against organized hate. And of course, there's some controversy about what should count. You got obvious examples like Nazi groups calling for violence, but also less obvious examples like the president of the United States calling for violence. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's just a... That last one's just a subset, isn't it? Right, yeah, okay. Just think of the diagram. Well, the Trump campaign decided to make it a little easier for the bigot filters last week and posted an anti-Black Lives Matter propaganda ad that included a literal Nazi symbol. Yep. So Facebook took it down. Which is good because, like, honestly, if they didn't cut him off there, his next test at their boundaries would have actually been a Facebook Live video where he shot somebody on Fifth Ave. (laughs) (laughs) So the Nazi symbol in question is the inverted red triangle. This was used by the Nazi regime to designate political prisoners in concentration camps. And the Trump campaign included a large image of that red triangle, along with a post about tacitly white Americans coming together, high-pitched whistle, high-pitched whistle, high-pitched whistle, to squash all the protests against police murder. The ad appeared on Trump's main page, 
Also, the Trump team campaign page and Mike Pence's main page. And when Facebook took it down, the campaign responded by saying, hey, Antifa uses that symbol all the time. (laughs) At which point Facebook had to explain to them, okay, first of all, no, they don't. They use it once in a while. But when they do, it's because they're anti-fascist. Yeah. Our policy is fine with groups that are anti-Nazi. You get that distinction, right? You right, like, get yeah, that? They're, they're standing there going like, wait, his swastika is fine just because it has a circle with a line through it? Yes! <laughs> yup! Yeah, just to be clear, the Trump campaign does not get that distinction. No. As confirmed by the official statement we got from the Trump campaign's director of communications, Tim Murtaugh. He mentioned the Antifa thing without knowing what that title very literally means. Then he pointed out that the inverted red triangle isn't included on the Anti-Defamation League's database of hate symbols. So, really, it's it's their fault, if you think about it. What? And then, Murtaugh added, exact quote, We would note that Facebook still has an inverted red triangle emoji in use, which looks oh. exactly the same, so it's curious that they would target only this ad. Oh my fucking They're god. So Their first argument somehow has both hashtag not all triangles and all <laughs> triangles matter in it. God, this is going to be a long 19 weeks, y'all. Wow. Impressive. So <sighs> let's just boil down this argument really quick. Trump campaign. Are we banning all red triangles from now on? Facebook. No, just the ones on fascist propaganda. Trump campaign follow-up. We're not fascist. We're anti-anti-fascist. Okay, no, no, I heard. I, heard I get. It. I see you. I see what you did. It's in the title. Fuck. Okay. So, yeah, the big picture issue here is terrifying. But at least the bad guys are incredibly stupid in this particular case. The Trump campaign literally and figuratively red flagged itself as a hate group. Wow, so that's fun. Yeah, no shit. And in misreading the Pulse of Tulsa news tonight, (laughs) Donald Trump managed to fill the Bank of Oklahoma Arena with the biggest crowd it's seen since the Rapid City rush took on the Tulsa Oilers (laughs) in a mid-level professional ice hockey regional grudge match to determine fourth place in the ECHS Mountain Division, which is... Great game. Great game. Probably actually a true statement. I couldn't find the actual (laughs) attendance numbers for that game, but according to the Tulsa Fire Marshal, his triumphant return to the stage after a long hiatus didn't even outdo the average attendance of a Tulsa Oilers game, which is a minor league hockey team to the second power, and they charge for their tickets. In Oklahoma. Yes, to be clear. right. Big hockey country there. Yeah. But in fairness, the Oilers do put a bunch of white plastic and white people in the stands. It's right, deceptive. right. Yeah, the board. Yeah, exactly. It's a much bigger crowd than you'd think. It looks so, bigger. So, yeah, the president was utterly humiliated on Saturday when his first major campaign event drew only about 6,200 people, (laughs) barely a third of the capacity of the venue, and only about 0.62% of the attendance Trump bragged about in advance. (laughs) Our first confirmation of this came like a few minutes before the rally's official start time when workers started quietly disassembling an outdoor stage that was erected so Trump and Pence could address the overflow crowd. (laughs) 
But this is the greatest. Yeah, I mean, they didn't even have a fucking flow crowd. It turns out that wasn't necessary. <laughs> the event was a huge success. SRO, sit, sitting room. <laughs> both, those both, they both start with S if you think about that's it. A, so it could that's be, a saying. Couldn't mean either thing. And, and I think it's worth pointing out that the entire point of this event was obviously to get pictures of Trump in front of a huge crowd of people. They didn't choose to hold this rally in a swing state, right? Or even in a leans Republican state. They chose ruby fucking red. They went with an indoor arena instead of an outdoor venue, despite coronavirus concerns, because stadium seating makes a crowd look bigger. And as to Trump's expectations, he told reporters leading up to the event, quote, we expect to have, you know, it's like a record-setting crowd. We've never had an empty seat, and we certainly won't in Oklahoma, end quote. And to his credit, I've seen the pictures. They did not have an empty seat. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw an image of a pretty full arena in Trump's Twitter. Uh, lots of people looked like stick figures in Sharpie, but I think <laughs> yeah, it's right. lighting. Right. Uh, now, the best part of this story, as near as I can tell, comes from a 51-year-old grandmother in Fort Dodge, Iowa, named Mary Jo Lop. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, uh, who posted a video on TikTok encouraging people to register for the event but not attend. Uh, she was motivated, apparently, by his original plans to hold the rally on Juneteenth at the site of one of the most egregious racial atrocities in U.S. history, or at least in recent U.S. history, I should say. And apparently she wasn't alone because her post went viral and led to an avalanche of similar posts across all of the social media that the kids are using these days, which led the out-of-touch idiots running Trump's campaign to believe that upwards of... One million people wanted to attend their <laughs> shitty little rally in Tulsa, despite the fact that they, too, are allowed on the TikTok, right? <laughs> Fuck, the story I got all my information from was posted on CNN before the goddamn rally. The, his campaign officials were quoted in that article laughing at how silly these TikTok users were <laughs> to think they could have an effect. It's basically just 20 people in the arena being like, listen, man, we're not buying a Republican timeshare. Just give us the fucking golf clubs. <laughs> You're wasting both of our time. I can afford enough. not to be. That's so dumb. <laughs> Of course, Trump was in full-fledged damage control mode even during his rambling nearly two-hour stream-of-consciousness speech. He tried to explain away the vast sea of empty seats by saying that angry lefty protesters were blocking entrances and scaring off rally-goers. But that A isn't true, as confirmed by every single okay. legitimate reporter on the scene, as well as fucking video evidence, and B... Makes his supporters sound like a bunch of weak-ass pansies that can't push their way through a few liberal yeah, snowflakes right. to see dear leader. There's <laughs> a big flare-up of white bone spurs in Tulsa. Yeah, that day. It's not clearly. Right. And I should point out that the attendees weren't the only thing noticeably absent from the rally. Uh, a few other noteworthy no-shows were any mention whatsoever of George Floyd, police brutality, or systemic racism. Lovely. Also absent were any plans to mitigate or even acknowledge the ongoing pandemic. Speaking of which, also absent were masks. But 
He did prove that he could drink water one-handed <laughs> and then fucking so sold Gary Strug's vault as nothing compared to the skill involved in walking down a <laughs> ramp in leather-soled shoes. Uh, because in a week where he's been marred by accusations of race-baiting, stoking violence, fascist tactics against protesters, surrendering to the pandemic, and not being able to drink water one-handed, he was going to clear his goddamn <laughs> name on one of those things. Just Bella Caroli off in the wings. You can do it, Donald. He walks in there. <laughs> and for my next trick, I'm going to be a ventriloquist puppet of the Christian right while drinking a glass of water. While drinking a glass of water. <laughs> what? Oh, the people don't deserve you, Heath. It's also worth adding here that during his speech... He literally admitted that he has been encouraging officials to slow down coronavirus testing to make his numbers look better. He admitted that because he's too stupid to know how stupid that is. And that is an afterthought of this fucking story. That's how bad it is. Wow. Yeah, barely even made it in. I'd written the whole fucking story, and I'm like, wow, I didn't even mention that shit. All, none of the scales make sense in 2020. No. All the scales are no. broken. Yeah. All right, next up in headlines. As anyone who's ever tried to discuss politics with a strict nuance cap of 280 characters is fully aware, Twitter is a wiki factory of intellectual antimatter. Right. But... That doesn't mean the antimatter isn't delightfully entertaining once in a while. (laughs) And the best example I've seen in a long time happened last week when GOP Congressman Matt Gaetz of Florida got brutally roasted by actor Ron Perlman until Gaetz basically weep tweeted that he's telling dad. (laughs) And apparently dad was Ted Cruz. And then Ted Cruz also told dad. And... Double Dad was GOP Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio. Yeah, what? And by the end of it, an actor making fun of a politician on the internet led to a wrestling challenge. That really happened. That really, really happened. We pay these people. That's what happened. Well, the sad thing is, is the only one that we didn't pay is the only one doing a public service in this story. Yeah. (laughs) Great work by Ron Perlman. So... It all started with the U.S. national soccer teams, in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, getting rid of a rule that said every player has to stand during the national anthem. This combination of racial awareness and Matt Gates's deep-seated fear of Megan Rapinoe <laughs> and his frustration about not understanding how offside works, no matter how many times somebody explains it to him, <laughs> it all led to Gates sending out a tweet to complain about, in his words, racial justice warriors. Yeah. He he seems unaware how that makes him a racial injustice warrior in this yeah. scenario. Well, or at the very least, a person who could perceive an instance where racial justice warrior would be a pejorative. He did that. And according to Gates, quote, here's the tweet. I'd rather the U.S. not have a soccer team than have a soccer team that won't stand for the national anthem. You shouldn't get to play under our flag if you won't stand when it's raised. That Jesus. tweet has almost 180,000 likes last wow. I checked. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. If our men's team has proven anything over the years, it's that we can have a team and not have a team at the same time. Those are not mutually exclusive <laughs> propositions, Matt. We can work on it. So in response to Gates being 
fucking horrible, Ron Perlman started making fun of him, including a remark about Gates getting elected with daddy's money in a gerrymandered district. And this was actually the high point for Matt Gates here. He basically responded, no, uh, my district is all the way in the, the top left corner of Florida, so we, we couldn't really gerrymander it. So I got elected fairly with my dad's money by the savvy voters of the Florida panhandle. Yeah, right, that, right, exactly. That <laughs> was a win for Gates in his mind. And, and that's when he clearly told on Perlman to Cruz, and Senator Ted Cruz tweeted, I'll bet $10,000 to the non-political charity of your choice that you couldn't last five minutes in the wrestling ring with Jim Jordan without getting pinned. Yeah, what the <laughs> Ted, fuck? Ted Cruz challenged Ron <laughs> He challenged Ron Perlman to a fight with somebody else. Yes, right. This is the greatest. Right. That's the, it's, it's, a, it's a my dad can beat up your dad's kid scenario. And by the way, <laughs> he didn't skip any context or anything. They just, no. like, Cruz just brought this shit up out of the blue. Ron Perlman's not a wrestler. He's an actor. <laughs> yeah ted cruz seemed to be like oh you're a real good uh wrestler in hellboy no well that's you know that's, that's a movie i bet you don't even really have a tail do you <laughs> Jesus. so in response to the saddest challenge ever by ted cruz on behalf of someone else perlman answered i'll tell you what teddy boy since mentioning Jim Jordan and wrestling is problematic, <laughs> and in that, why don't we say fuck him and just make it you and me? I'll give $50,000 to Black Lives Matter, and you can keep all the taxpayer money you were thinking of spending. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Response. I will also give $50,000 yeah. to Black. I'll give $50,000 to Ted fucking Cruz. Happily. <laughs> and just in case anyone missed it, Here's the pin I was talking about. Jim Jordan is the Jerry Sandusky of the Ohio State wrestling yes. program. Yes. He's been accused by at least eight former wrestlers of ignoring sex abuse allegations against the team doctor and being gross himself in a few ways. So I guess he's more like the Joe Paterno. Yeah. Except he won't just die right away <laughs> when the allegations come. Out. Anyway, that is what our national leaders were doing last weekend. Our national Lawmakers were making wrestling match challenges against people they are not. Yeah, it's a good thing that there's nothing important happening in the country right now, and they have all that free time. God. And finally tonight, in a million Brazilian civilians news, Brazil Damn. earned the dubious distinction of becoming the second nation in the world to surpass one million cases of COVID-19 after recording a new 24-hour record increase on Friday. Uh, this has led many to fear Brazil might soon surpass the U.S. total to become the world epicenter of the deadly contagion. Though, to be fair to the Trump administration, uh, this all these numbers were before Trump was even allowed to have his rally. He wanted to have it on the 19th. So Cool, yeah. Now they just need to finish getting rid of all that 
pesky rainforest in Brazil, and we'll have yeah. plenty of ultraviolet light to cure the entire world. I hear that uh, cures the virus. So if you haven't been following this, you might be shocked to learn that there actually is somebody in the world doing an even worse job handling the COVID-19 outbreak than Donald Trump. But holy shit, is Yair Bolsonaro making it look easy? Early on, he dismissed the disease as a little flu. Then he claimed he was immune to it because he used to be an athlete, and therefore he can... <laughs> outrun the bad air i don't know it wasn't clear do anyway, pull-ups i'm above it i'm above yeah. i'm over it <laughs> right yeah there you go um and then he jumped on the hydroxychloroquine bandwagon with trump and he's been riding it hard ever since uh taking only occasional breaks to do shit like bring in faith healers to tell the country they can cure the outbreak with garlic okay guys so i was looking at a bunch of the data turns out we have exactly zero vampires with malaria here in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, of course, like the U.S., Brazil pushed to relax quarantine and reopen their economy at exactly the height of the outbreak. Uh, and Bolsonaro was so confident that that wasn't going to hurt anybody that at the same time, he told journalists that he was abandoning the lockdown strategy. He also signed a decree exempting public officials, himself included, from liability for their response to the pandemic. Uh, and two days later, by the way, he streamed a video of a rally he was holding where he was shaking the hands of his various supporters and I shit you not holding babies. Uh, that being said, fuck in Bolsonaro's defense, at least he was wearing a fucking mask. So when he recklessly endangered the lives of his own supporters to bolster his ego and the illusions of safety, he did so more responsibly than our president. <laughs> yeah. And Bolsonaro already looked a lot like an angry bird oh my and god like, like like an i mean both like an angry bird like the cartoon thing but also like an angry bird like both yeah and then he put on a mask that looked a lot like a beak yeah and i could not see anything else forever so so heath has included a side by side in the notes i'm just now seeing this and it is <laughs> goddamn uncanny he's the yellow one the one that speeds up when you tap it <laughs> That's what he is. He is. That's amazing. Now, I should add to the story that there's virtually nobody observing this uh, outbreak in Brazil at any level that believes the official numbers are even close to the real numbers. Right. There is zero possibility that Brazil is telling us about all the cases that they know about. Uh, and there are widespread reports that they're intentionally under testing in the hardest hit areas. So even if they were telling us the real number that they had, it would still be low. In fact, experts quoted in an NBC article I read suggested that the real number could be five to ten times higher than the official number. And again, the official number is more than a million. So not to put too fine a point on it, but Bolsonaro has beaten you at killing his citizens with coronavirus and uh, at lying about doing that, Trump. Up your fucking game. Wow. Come on, man. All right. Well, on that note, I think we're definitely going to close it out. Well, yeah, because I like to I like to always end on an upbeat story, like a happy, funny one, like something silly. You know, it's just something Nailed silly. it. Yeah. Hijinks. <sighs> you can right. cut that last week and end on the, tw on the fucking Angry Bird thing. That would be a good end. We could just <laughs> close it there. All right. Well, we're definitely closed either way. Also, thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like Greg, Quartermaster Jacob, Scoop Bucky, Pale Dan Rum Runner, Andrew, Chris, 
Stormy Decisis says go to universalsuffragechurch.org to vote by mail. Jackson's dad and Gerald, whose beautiful dicks and vaginas are waxing in solidarity with Brazil. But uh, they also look great with the full rainforest, either way. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, D&D Minus, and Citation Needed, available on Apple Music, Stitcher, all those other podcast apps, or the deep web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penis. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, catchphrase sign off. No, that's a weird one. All right, now I'm in my head. I got it. I got it. It's Monday. It's that was weird. That yeah, was it really weird. was. It really was, and I didn't want to keep going because it was so fucking weird. I just wanted to be like, do you want to try that again? I said but Monday I was just weird, like, too. I was, I was like, like meong, 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 Monday. It's, it's Monday. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I got this. It's... Nope. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.